Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This is the broadcast for November the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances put in place by the founding fathers, one of the brilliant moves, we still have that solution at our fingertips today if we would use it. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. We were live on Thanksgiving Day. We were live yesterday, the day after. We are live again today as well. On the Sabbath, we shall take a rest. A quick recap of a couple of stories we had from when or Thursday's broadcast, Thanksgiving Day broadcast. We talked about Donald Trump pardons Michael Flynn, pardons Thanksgiving turkeys, but why not pardon Steve Stockman? See, President Trump hasn't got that done yet. Surely he's got to know about the former congressman's story by now. Why hasn't he done it? I don't know. I'm so disappointed. I pray that he uh, gets this done before he leaves office uh, is all I can say. We really need the president of the United States to get that done. We just cannot have these good guys rotting in prison. All right, it was a narrow decision, but a great one. Five to four, Amy Coney Barrett stood tall. Supreme Court to New York, quote, the Constitution still matters. People of faith were giving something extra special to be thankful for. Late Thanksgiving Eve, so Wednesday night, with Justice Barrett casting the deciding vote, the Supreme Court issued a decision stopping New York Governor Andrew Cuomo from enforcing strict 10-person or sometimes 25-person limitations for attending religious services. Now, that's huge, folks. It's narrow. There's a lot more that the judges could have done, but it's a start, and at least it's the right decision for a change. There you have it. Pennsylvania judge blocks certification of key states election results, so we'll see what happens there. President Trump's been getting uh, taking a beating, though, in the courts, folks. He really has. Uh, the judges, even the judges he appointed are turning on the president, saying there's no merit here. We'll get into that as the broadcast unfolds. We also talked about a new subpoena in critical key states, or swing states, as they call them. Right now, there are more than a dozen lawsuits going on in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nevada, and an act of recounts happening right now. They say they're subpoenaing uh, and gathering new evidence. And anyway, the, the battle goes on and on and on. But the courts are not friendly to President Trump. He's lost way more suits than he's won. Dr. Robert Epstein even doubles down. He's a Democrat. He says Google bias shifted at least 6 million votes. He's a Harvard Democrat, well known uh, as a, I don't know what you want to call it, a truth teller in the movie Creepy Line. But even Dr. Robert Epstein says there's vote fraud going on. Google's at the center of it. There's so many vote fraud allegations, it is hard to even get a handle on it. 
Uh, but the courts seem to be jettisoning all rhyme or reason. Attorney Matt Staver says that he's dragging Governor Newsom to the Supreme Court. Good for him. The draconian abuse has gone on long enough over the COVID virus, that's for sure. Judge agrees to hear evidence of vote fraud in Nevada. So that's all good news. That's uh, some of the things we talked about on Thursday. We also gave a lot of thanks on that live Thanksgiving broadcast. Yesterday, we had a guest on. Her name was Michelle Steeb. And Michelle Steeb is uh, the author of a book called Answers Behind the Red Door, Battling America's Homeless Epidemic. Homelessness is not a problem that will go away on its own. We've got to tackle it heads on, head on, and one size fits all does not work, she says. Are sanctioned homeless camps a good idea? We talked about that a bit. We had her on a little bit for the second hour as well yesterday. And we talked about reduced homelessness, expanding the toolbox, a program put in place by President Trump. See, the one-size-fits-all plan under Obama was an absolute failure. But the whole-of-government response to homelessness deals with the individual. Expanding the toolbox is what it's called. Check it out. We also talked about, can I create a homeless tent camp? And believe it or not, cities have created laws in recent years making it virtually impossible for homeless people to live in their towns. They give law enforcement officers the ability to arrest and to do all kinds of things. That really, where do you go? What do you do? We talked about the four basics of human survival. Food, clothing, shelter, and fuel. They're ex- essential for our existence. And believe it or not, a homeless man, Dean, dialed into the broadcast live uh, and talked about how right on our coverage of this issue really is. And uh, how it is tough and the points we're making are serious. That's a recap of yesterday's show. Without further ado, news that I refuse to use starts now. The former Sheriff Richard Mack with me. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thanks, Sam. It's great to be with you this beautiful Texas morning. It's uh, not a Texas morning if you're not in Texas, is it? No, but about half the country is in Texas, so, I mean, Texas covers about half the country because everything's bigger here. That is correct, and it's huge. By the way, we talked about homelessness quite a bit yesterday, and uh, you might have a unique perspective on this as a former sheriff. You know, they made laws and done all kinds of things that it just makes it impossible to exist. And we talked about how difficult it is um, and how expensive it is even to get basic accommodations these days. With the laws saying you got to have running water, you got to have hot water, you got to have a certain amount of space per person, you got to this, you got to that, you got to have an address, you got to. I mean, there's so many laws on the books that it's about impossible for the homeless to get a foothold. And it's about impossible, I shouldn't say impossible, but about impossible for people like us, meaning well meaning Christian people, to even help them, Sheriff. Yeah, it, it has uh, gotten very restrictive. And, uh, you know, you got to add into the equation the COVID-19 regulations and and that the uh, that you have to be uh, social distancing and and all of that rot and it it uh, it's almost impossible to create your own charity and outreach to some of these people who are homeless and and then finding out why people are homeless is also a key to solving uh, making sure that they do have a place to be and, you know, how, how do you get them jobs and how do you get them training and and it, it becomes a huge mess. 
and government usually makes it worse. This idea that homelessness is a problem that's not going away anytime soon. Until we attack it head on, one size fits all simply doesn't work. You know, I don't know what to do about this. And I kind of highlighted this idea that, you know, I've driven all the way from Montana at the Canada, Canadian border all the way down to Texas, man, or, you know, and further. And, man, there's so much land available, it is shocking. But if I tried to go out in the middle of nowhere, far away from everything, where nobody could complain, no neighbors, no... And I want to basically try to get land. First off, it will be very difficult, if impo- if not impossible, for me to get land. Secondly, whatever county that land is in would have all kinds of restrictions. You know, Sam, you can't let people live this close together, or you can't let people live in tents. you got to have structures, or you got to have a road, or you got to have sewer, or you got to have power, you've got to have, you know, appropriate sewage accommodations, you got to have running water. And, and they would regulate it to where, buddy, I don't know that I can even get it off the ground. There's a big joke about, you know, Noah's Ark. And if he tried to create it today, he'd just sit there with his head in his hands uh, in tears because he couldn't get it done because of the regulations. You know, it's not too far from a joke, Sheriff. And I don't know, even if I wanted to help the homeless, uh, I mean, I I might provide a meal. I might volunteer. There's little things that I can do. But if I tried to create a homeless camp out in the middle of nowhere, I don't even think that I could get it done. No, you're probably right. Uh, you, you probably wouldn't be able to get it done. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of some of the housing projects that are going up all across the country, and especially the ones I've seen in Arizona. Man, the houses are so close together, and, and they've had to alter or compromise on having homes so close together. It's supposed to be that if your home catches on fire, it's far enough away from the next home that it wouldn't catch fire on that one. And that regulation has been... Uh, pretty much uh, altered, changed, uh, completely uh, ignored or compromised. Compromised is the key word right there. Yet, if you wanted to try to go do it just for a bunch of homeless people who really need it, uh, you wouldn't even be able to do it. And, and you know, there would be so many regulations getting in the way and uh, make, making uh, such an effort impossible. And again, just like you say, in the middle of nowhere where nobody even cares about that land or, or uh, it's, any, any type of development on that land would be an improvement, even if it didn't uh, fit all the codes and zoning rules. But, I mean, how do you have zoning rules in the middle of, de- uh, of the desert or whatnot? But, you know, obviously you have to have some sort I don't know, of but I, I, know, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know some examples of it. I've tried to go to certain counties. And get land way out in the boonies. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, 15 miles or 20 miles even from any city at all, period. And so, you know, there's no electricity. There's no modern uh, improvements of any kind. It's just raw land. And I can get the land really cheap, you know, two, 300 an acre. But the second I get it done now, I can't even get any water. Right. That's the big deal there. Well, what are you going to do with no water? Then I can't get electricity. Well, then the next thing is they say you can't divide it into pieces smaller than 50 acres. Well, I don't want to divide it, but you got to divide it or people can't. Anyway, it gets complex in a hurry. Quick pause. Liberty Roundtable Live. The Good Sheriff Richard Mack and Sam Bushman on extended Thanksgiving Day live radio weekend. (laughs) 
the spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues that affect the American West, its people, lifestyles, lands, and wildlife. The Loving Liberty Radio Network is proud to support the publisher's efforts to provide an active forum for solutions that preserve the vanishing American cowboy, farmer, and sheep herder. Each issue contains informative articles on life in the American West, along with breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of the cowboy spirit in our day. Each issue of Range Magazine also features great gift ideas, like the 2020 Real Buckaroo Calendar and the book Tales from Out There. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Just click on the shopping cart. The Loving Liberty Radio Network salutes the spirit of the American West and those who are keeping it alive at Range Magazine. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. All right. I bring up this topic because it's serious, and I think a lot of people don't even know how to handle it. Don't know what to do about it. Don't feel like there's anything they can do to solve it. And it goes on and on. All right. And I think this is a huge issue, so I wouldn't be able to get water. I wouldn't be able to get... um, Electricity. I wouldn't be able to have internet or sewage. I mean, it goes on and on of the regulations and the difficulty I would face. Let me give you an example. A headline says this. A group of San Diego, that's San Diego, California, housing advocates believe that building on property owned by churches and nonprofits could be the solution for creating more affordable homes, Sheriff. Now, that's a good idea, but I don't know how you get it done. There's all kinds of regulations against that as well. In fact, churches are under assault like you wouldn't believe, so I don't know that they could be the answer. You're not even allowed to have at churches more than, what, 10 or 25 people together if you're not careful? So I appreciate the church's efforts and ideas, but again, they're already being shut down before they ever even get started, Sheriff. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's such a, a sad commentary on that, and you know, I I, I drove by a bunch of uh, makeshift tents uh, in South Phoenix area, which we only live about seriously. We live about ten minutes from this uh, location where there's quite a few homeless uh, that have been set up there, and and uh, you know, I 
I mentioned it to Don, and I said, you know, what would you do to, to try to help these people, and and do they want help, and do they, uh, you know, do, why are they there? But you know, you got to wonder. And again, it's such a one. It's such an eyesore. It's, it looks pretty much like those ones you see on the news um, in California, uh, mostly Southern California, and it's just it's really sad and. Uh, you're right. I have dealt in the past with uh, some of the homeless uh, situations and and uh, some of the people that uh, don't have a place to live. And in the smaller communities, it seems to be uh, not not that uh, prevalent. But uh, in the major cities, it is. And I, which kind of makes me wonder why wouldn't somebody rather set up a tent in a small town like Stafford, Arizona, instead of setting up in the middle of Los Angeles? You know, so. I don't know. Uh, it's 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 a tough one to deal with, but I, I do know that uh, uh, the churches used to be much more involved in it and, and taking care of people. And they're just, it doesn't seem like they are anymore, and I think really because of all the government interference and, and regulations. You know, and some people would say, well, we're not as Christian as we used to be, and we don't seem to care much about it. I think most people are just separated from it. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't have answers. They don't feel like they can make a difference. The only reason I uh, know so much about it is because I've actually tried to build these kind of things. You know, what does it take to be uh, above the basic level uh, in terms of, of needs? You know, in other words, being homeless on the streets. You know, Walmart used to let people park in their parking lots. Now I don't know that you're allowed to do that anymore either. Uh, You know, people used to, you know, they try to live in cars. Well, that's about being homeless a little bit, kind of, but you're still definition-wise homeless. How do you protect your belongings while you try to look for a job or while you go to work? How do you get transportation? How do you take a shower and be clean? How do you, and the list just goes on and on and on of the troubles. But I find this interesting. That these San Diego advocates are trying to use churches to solve the problem. I think it's a wonderful idea, but it's already shut down. Newsom won't even let anybody gather for any reason. Churches can't, you know. But now the next headline says this, life in four sea cans. Calgary family moves into shipping container home. So, you know, it's even going on in Canada, and people are trying to find every way possible to deal with food, which means food and water, by the way. So food, uh, shelter, clothes, and fuel. Fuel because you got to have that to cook. You got to have that to stay warm. You got to. So it's basically, you know, um, clothing, food and water, shelter and fuel are the four main things that you got to have. And even getting those main things is very difficult. Because a shelter, you gotta have all kinds of government regulations. You gotta build it to this standard. You gotta get this zoning approval. You gotta, you can't have it in the city unless you hook it up to a uh, city, you know, sewer system, which costs, you know, big money, five grand or whatever, just to hook it up. And when it goes on and on, even the most basic situations, there seems to be no answers due to regulation. When it comes to food, churches and nonprofit groups, people who don't have a quote food handling license, can't even feed anybody. You know, churches tried to go to a park and feed people, and they got busted and shut down, Sheriff. Yeah, there was one like that in uh, Hawaii at the park uh, right along uh, Waikiki. And uh, that's an area where I used to go walking. And and it used to be uh, just about every morning that the church had some food there. And, you know, there 
preaching the gospel and giving food to the homeless. And they're not allowed to do it anymore. You know, and so you just, you really got to just throw up your hands and say, what do you do? And uh, you know, if you go outside the country, outside the United States, <clears throat> then your uh, philanthropy is usually accepted, like uh, taking food to uh, Haiti. I have a, a good friend uh, here from Texas that uh, takes a bunch of food over to Haiti uh, once a month. And it, it's it's easier to do it in uh, the third world, uh, you know, and, and they they love you for doing it, and they, they totally are... Uh, have their arms open to people who are doing that because there's so many people in need. Well, there's so many people in need here too, and and I guess you're just supposed to uh, donate to these groups that uh, you know they use 90% of the donations for uh, paying their employees, and 10% gets to you know maybe sometimes gets to the poverty-stricken people who really need it. Now so in America. In America, not only are individuals suffering that are maybe United States citizens to some degree. Yeah. I say to some degree because some people say, well, they're not a United States citizen or whatever. But now a headline says a new study's out. 14.3 million illegal aliens living in the United States are costing Americans $132 billion a year, Sheriff. President Trump tried to do something about that, but for the most part, not much has been done either. No, and, and uh, the the costs are uh, astronomical, and uh, we continue uh, to promote that. The Biden administration is encouraging more people, more illegal aliens, to come here. We're going to give you even more free stuff. We're going to give you free Social Security. We're going to give you uh, the right to vote. We're going to give you free housing. We're going to give you, you and your kids uh, free Healthcare and free education, and that's that's absolutely astonishing that the Democrats get away from uh, luring more people here to the United States who do so illegally, and and so uh, I'm sure that uh, that's all going to be gone as soon as Harris and uh, Biden become the the heads of that. It's it's really scary. How, how much the uh, Democrats get away with in promoting illegal activity, and uh, it's it's going to why wouldn't why wouldn't anybody who is poverty stricken in Latin America not try to come here because they're going to get all this free stuff, and they're literally asking people to come ahead. You know, the doors are open, the borders are open, and you get all this free stuff that you have never had before in your life. Yeah, so, and, and really, the reverse of that, and the other side of that coin is, why don't we work with those countries in getting their countries uh, operational and that they actually create a middle class that is strong and healthy and, and uh, having jobs? Uh, but in, in Latin, most Latin American governments just simply will not uh, get rid of their, of course, corruption. Uh, and uh, now we're trying to do the same thing here. Uh, it's it's really astonishing. Uh, my my degree from BYU was Latin American studies, and this was a key issue that we addressed uh, all throughout the entire two years that I took that uh, uh, major. And it's uh, it's astonishing how we just want to give free stuff 
and and uh, not uh, help people uh, get back on track and help economies uh, become more inclusive to all the the people that need it. And the problem with Mexico, especially, if you look at Mexico, they have a fantastic tourism industry. They have fantastic agriculture, and they they have uh, natural resources. They should be a very wealthy country, and the people should be wanting to stay there. But the development and the corruption has stopped it. They are a wealthy country, just none of the uh, wealth ends up in the hands of the citizenry. We're starting to experience that in America as well. There's a tie between this homelessness and religion. We'll talk about it in seconds with a good share of Richard Mack on your radio. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. President Trump's legal team lost again. A federal appeals court in Philadelphia Friday rejected the campaign's latest effort to challenge the state's election results. The three-judge panel are all Republican appointees, including Judge Stefanos Bibas, who was appointed by Trump. He wrote for the panel, quote, Calling an election unfair does not make it so. Charges require specific allegations and then proof. We have neither here. Trump's lawyers vowed to appeal to the Supreme Court. South Dakota became the latest state to see at least one COVID-19 death for every 1,000 residents. The country also surpassed 13 million coronavirus cases. The tally comes as a new study from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates about one in eight coronavirus infections nationwide were reported. This is USA Radio News. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. The United Kingdom is making sure the world's biggest tech companies are not dominating their country. Lance Pride with details from the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau. The United Kingdom will impose new rules next year to prevent Google and Facebook from using their dominance to push out smaller firms and disadvantaged consumers. The code will be enforced by a dedicated unit within the Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA. The CMA wants to crack down on Internet giants swallowing up smaller firms and is set to issue detailed plans in December. From the West Coast USA Radio News Bureau, I'm Lance Pry. An Iranian scientist named by the West as the leader of the Islamic Republic's disbanded military nuclear program was killed Friday in an ambush on the outskirts of Tehran. Iran's foreign minister alleged the killing of the scientist bore serious indications of an Israeli role but did not elaborate. Israel, long suspected of killing several Iranian nuclear scientists a decade ago, declined to immediately comment. The killing risked further raising tensions across the Mideast. 
You're listening to USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. There's an interesting parallel to this homeless situation, ladies and gentlemen. Richard Mack and Sam Bushman talking about it in detail. There's serious uh, concern. And let me give you the headlines and the discussion points to highlight this. Then we'll talk about it. It says the economy seems to be falling off a cliff. Is America's commitment to religion doing the same? Interesting question by William C. Duncan. The New York Times columnist and Nobel Peace or Prize winning economist Paul Kruckman recently noticed that, hey, economic data shows that the economy has fallen off a cliff. And about the same time this observation was made, a report from the American Enterprise Institute showed on a number of indicators that America's commitment to religion seems to be doing the same, falling off a cliff. The report was written by Lyman Stone. He's an adjunct fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, and it provides careful and detailed analysis about the decline of religiosity measured by affiliation with churches, not to mention church attendance and other factors in the United States of America. In summary, by any major measure, religiosity in America is declining. They say, as this report will show peaking in 1960, the share of American adults attending any religious service at a typical week has fallen from 50% to 35%, while the share of anybody claiming they're part of a religious body fell from 75% to 62%, respectively. And it used to be to where people would acknowledge that they're part of a religion. It was used to be 95%, now it's 75%. The declines, folks, are stark. Data shows the percentage of Americans who were involved in religious affiliation tumbling. After the 1950s, then in chart form, it looks like it's falling off a cliff, they say. They say America's legal environment is ever increasingly increasingly secular. In other words, you have government control of education, government regulations, It's out of control. They say extensive government regulations inhibit the ability of religious schools to operate. So they basically point to education as one of the kind of relevant issues here. Okay? They say, you know, education is at the key or corner of this. But they say, there's amendments in all kinds of states that prevent access to religious money, religious influence, etc. It goes on and on. They say they're careful not to suggest that this can only be in one direction. That you know what? You got to have religion in life and you got to have life in religion. 
They believe things could change in the direction of increased religiosity. But they would have to have, well, governments participating in the solutions. Now, that's an interesting uh, concept or idea. But I bring this all up, Sheriff, in light of this homeless situation. I mentioned that it's government regulations and government prohibiting Christians from actually doing their Christian duty that's at the core of all this. And uh, it's, it's very serious. Sorry, go ahead, Sheriff. Well, it is, and, and I think you've nailed it right there, is that uh, people have stopped donating, uh, you know, even to their own churches, because I think uh, we've all been brainwashed into believing that uh, it's government's responsibility and, it's, and government will take care of it or government will prevent me from doing anything to uh, help my neighbors. You know, it, it's almost like you can't make a stew for your neighbors who um, the mother is sick or, or somebody else is sick, maybe maybe the father, I don't know which one. But somebody is sick in the home and so, you know, you take, uh, you take food over to them. You know, and maybe you do it a lot, and maybe neighbors take turns helping the neighbor. It's almost like, well, you have to get that. Uh, you're not authorized to be in food service, and you have to get that checked, and you have to send out the health department to make sure that that's okay. Because look at all the COVID-19 uh, health restrictions, and it's all up to a non-elected bureaucratic health department to, to say what we can and cannot do and how we can have uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that we're still able. Isn't that amazing, Pam? We're actually saying we're grateful that we can still uh, get uh, seven or eight of us together at my son's house so, uh, without government interference. It's, that's just astonishing that we've gone there. And it's, it's astonishing how uh, you, you can't be a good neighbor anymore and, and you can't be uh, helping uh, the homeless or, or people in need unless you go through a certified, bona fide uh, charity uh, to do it. Well, government-approved, government-regulated, government-monitored, government-whatever charity yeah. as well. And even yeah, those exactly. folks aren't able to help because now they're not allowed to gather at all. If you want to go to a, uh, you know, a, 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 dancing, a pole dancing bar, you want to go to a, no problem. You want to go to church, though, uh-uh. Well, that actually happened in California, exactly what you just said. Uh, churches were shut down, but uh, they said that uh, it was a First Amendment issue. First Amendment issue now for uh, strip clubs to stay open, uh, but they didn't say, give the same First Amendment protection, which is the first issue even in the entire Bill of Rights, and then the First Amendment is freedom of religion. And so, you know, it just it just shows how sick the entire system has gotten because we have sick people running it. And it, it's astonishing that we uh, are letting this go and all in the name of protecting us. It's for your own good. And, and, and I think that's way obvious now, especially with the hypocrisy of Cuomo and, and um, Newsom and others. Uh, it's a huge hypocrisy. And uh, it's gone to the point now where people are so sick of it they're actually trying to recall Whitmer in uh, Michigan. And uh, no, no, impeach her, not recall her. They're trying to impeach her, and that's, that's gaining a lot of traction. Uh, and it's really sad that uh, Inslee, the, the governor that's really gone crazy out there, that 
it's some of the Democrats that didn't actually catch on and say, uh, yeah, you know what? We have a good, solid conservative chief of police, uh, uh, our, our chief of police of the year last year, uh, running for governor, and he actually won the Republican primary and went head-to-head with, against Inslee, uh, where you know freedom could have been restored, and the, the voters had the chance. And who knows, maybe that was uh, voter fraud in, in Washington State also. Uh, because I just can't see how anybody with any reason in their head would not have supported Chief Cope uh, to be uh, the next governor of uh, Washington State. It, it's astonishing. Maybe maybe we are getting the government we deserve. Um, not sure of that, though, because of all the voter fraud. But it kind of sounds like Bible uh, goes west, you know. There are no cats in America. Uh, there's no voter fraud in America. And if there is, it's so small that it doesn't really matter. It won't change anything. It doesn't change any of the elections. Uh, that's the one that gets to me the most. But, you know, the, the, from homelessness to voter fraud, uh, you know, you try to fix them, and it just never happens. And it kind of makes me feel like Glenn Beck, when he just did his rant uh, a couple of days ago about how we have all this information out there about all the crimes committed by Hillary and the Bidens and and the Democrats, and nothing ever happened. He threw his papers at the camera and just said, I've had it. I'm just so sick and tired of all of this. Uh, It's it's amazing that we're still talking about these sort of things in the United States of America. Well, and it's hard to know how to move forward. So if you take the average smallest person around, Sam Bushman, just say, in terms of trying to help the homeless, all the way on up to the Trump administration and the Barack Obama administration, in other words, the last two administrations, and they're not able to uh, move the needle. Uh, And we find that there's 14-plus million illegal aliens living in America that's costing us $132 billion a year. And then we basically say, whether you're illegal or not, hey, you can't live in these circumstances and the economy's falling off a cliff and religion seems to be going right along with it. You got to kind of ask yourself, what's it going to look like under a Biden administration? And we'll get to this. Then I'll give you a headline from Captain America that relates. What is life going to look like under the Joe Biden administration? How's that going to relate to the problems we're facing? Uh, Not only with the homeless and the illegal aliens, but for our own personal lives, Sheriff. Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. 
Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999. Text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999 or go to DefendAPatriot.com. DefendAPatriot.com. How many times do I have to tell you? I swear, it just goes in one ear and out the other. Don't you understand English? Your children are probably too polite to tell you. Hello? Those things on the side of your head aren't turnips. But they get just as frustrated when you won't listen to them as you do when they won't listen to you. Do I need to speak slower? In fact, few things show children how much they're valued and respected more than a parent's willingness to listen. Tell me what she did at work today. Studies show when parents listen, children develop better listening skills themselves. They also tend to have more self-confidence and are more likely to avoid alcohol and drugs. Now sit down here and tell me all about it. When you really listen, love is what they'll hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. For more tips on strengthening your family, visit family.mormon.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, the good chair, Richard Max, with us. So, you know, religious liberty falling off a cliff in America, the economy falling off a cliff, illegal aliens everywhere, homeless people, uh, you know, becoming homeless more at an alarming rate, the economy in uh, the doldrums, to say the least. Um, you could say the economy is pretty good and bouncing back, and I agree, but. Uh, good compared to what? Compared to shutting it all down? Okay, it's great. Uh, but what's going to happen if we start to shut down more? What's going to happen if the pandemic wave happens? What's going to happen if Joe Biden takes the helm? How's it going to look for you and I and churches? And, you know, it used to be where we could live our life. And, you know, if we weren't uh, homeless or illegal, or we just, for the most part, had a peaceful life with no problems. Uh, is that about to end, Sheriff? What's it going to look like? Well, Sam, it, I think it comes back to uh, a little bit of what the Democrats have, are, are offering us. They're either offering us a communist takeover of the country with Harris and Biden, more Harris than Biden. Biden's trying to be a little bit moderate, and uh, you can see that a little bit in some of his picks for the cabinet, and the progressives are getting mad, and it doesn't look like Elizabeth Warren is getting anything, and she was out campaigning to get that, and Bernie Sanders was out campaigning to get it, and you wonder. You got to wonder where uh, Kamala Harris is in those picks, because she's the most liberal uh, senator, and uh, so it. But but this this is the bottom line. This is what the Democrats are offering. You're trying to say what America is going to look like. Well, it's either a, <clears throat> and maybe I could soften that a little bit. It's a complete socialistic takeover of America, uh, which is on its way, obviously, to the communist uh, agenda, and then you have. The other, the other alternative, though, is if uh, Trump is successful in exposing the voter fraud and corruption that kept him from uh, retaining the White House. And then, and so this is our alternative. We either have a bloodbath of violence if Trump stays in, or we get the complete destruction of America and the destruction of our Constitution and the complete and utter fundamental change they've been promising ever since Barack Obama uh, 
took the reins of the White House. And, and it's even been before that, obviously. But this has been accelerated under Obama, and it's gone uh, to Mars. Phenomenal changes that we never thought would be there because of COVID-19. And luckily, they found their way to get those changes through uh, the health departments of the country and the emergency powers of every governor, supposedly, that they have. And they're going to continue to take take them and steal them and usurp them, whether they have them or not. And we have about, what, maybe a 50, 50 per, percent uh, response from the courts that, where the courts are totally supporting whatever the governors want to do in the mayors, or we have the other side where it's been 50, 50 percent that, no, they can't. And it doesn't appear that the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, their, rate, their latest uh, ruling that you mentioned, 5-4, uh, to stop Governor Cuomo from uh, destroying religious freedom, but it was too watered down even then, and that they can do uh, some of this other stuff. So I think the predicament that America has been put in by the Democrats, and, oh yes, and Republicans as well, that what? We either have a complete upheaval of a Civil War type of uh, 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 violence, or we just... Uh, succumb to the uh, complete socialistic, communistic takeover of America. Wow, that's a that's an amazing choice we have, and that's really the choice we have. I don't know how to respond to that, Sheriff. Except for uh, I don't know what I can do to change it or make a difference at all. I know, and, and, and I'm not. I'm, on one hand, I'm a nobody, right? I'm just the average Joe. On the other hand, I am a nationally syndicated talk show host, one of the top 250 talkers in the nation, according to Talkers Magazine. Uh, I am somebody who's interviewed people for over 25 years, bringing solutions to the table to the best of my ability. But I feel like now there's nothing that I can do except for uh, either one, stay in harm's way and keep it up, or shut it down and go away. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, And that's kind of, I think, what we're all going to be looking at in a way, because... What do you do? I mean, you, when the violence starts, what do you do? Uh, you know, I, I just, do we sit on top of our houses, hide behind the the chimney stack at our, in our homes, uh, you know, start shooting people who are uh, running the streets and throwing Molotov cocktails? Or do we go bunker down somewhere with our family? Uh, uh, do we just try to stay home and, and ride out the storm? Or do we fight back? Or do we have an organized, literally an organized civil war? Uh, I don't know how that would ever look, look or that I could ever support any violence of any kind. Obviously, you and I support violence to an extent. We, we support, we supported and, or support uh, the Revolutionary War, which was a complete breakaway from, from uh, tyranny. And, uh, you know, Jefferson said, uh, defiance of tyranny is obedience to God. Well, how far do we take that? And in America today, with all the technology, is, is a revolutionary war even possible? And, and so, uh, you know, I look at what's going on, and uh, I said this on your show about a week ago, that I was scared to death of the options. I really am. I still am. And, you know... I'm, I'm going to be 68 next month, 
and uh, a week, uh, a month from yesterday, I'll be 68. You know, I, I've I've had a great life, and I, and but the thing of it is, I really worry about my children and grandchildren, and what they're facing. They're going to be facing, and and I'm telling you, even in my own family, I see the kids that totally support uh, the Democrat side and the liberalism and the destruction. Uh, of our Constitution. Nobody really cares about that. As long as government is taking care of me, we just have people that totally trust that. And and th- that's what I find. Uh, the brainwashing of uh, our youth and the brainwashing of Americans na- nationwide is what I, I find the scariest. Well, we heard Amer- uh, Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, say, hey, we need to create uh, lists for retribution. Uh, against people who are Donald Trump supporters. It's hard for me to determine if I'm a supporter or not. I didn't vote for him. I'm kind to him. Whenever he does right, I give him credit. Whenever he does wrong, I I, uh, articulate why I think he's wrong. It's hard for me to know if I'm a Trump supporter or not, okay? I mean, I guess I am. But not totally. All right, but here's the deal. So Ocasio-Cortez said that, and at first you laugh it off and go, oh, she's just a whacked-out little girl. Uh, she's, you know, in Congress, uh, uh, you know, the Peter principle at work. She's way beyond her knowledge, way beyond her ability to perform. Nevertheless, um, you think I'm going to dismiss her. But now you see headlines like this. Ready? Captain America star Chris Evans now joined a chorus of unhinged Hollywood liberals over the weekend who are now calling for communist style lists to be compiled of Trump supporters for implied retribution once Trump leaves office. So now there's a chorus of people, Captain America star among them, Ocasio-Cortez among them. So now you're talking about people with a lot of money, people that are very influential and people that are in Congress all calling for, let's build a list. Let's add Richard Mack and Sam Bushman and never mind that we're not totally Trump supporters, but let's create a roundup list. Okay, this is what they did back in in the Hillary Clinton days as well. Uh, but now it's going to be on steroids, Sheriff. Yeah, that's, uh, again, Sam, uh, uh, the scary part of all of this, it just gets scarier and scarier. And, uh, you know, and again, if it was just me, uh, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Obviously, I'd be worried about my wife and, and her welfare, you know. But, you know, she and I could probably go hide somewhere, you know, go go stay with our uh, nephew who's a complete liberal and, and, you know, maybe hide out with them for a few months or something. Uh, uh, I don't know, but, uh, I, I believe that we could go hide, uh, somewhere. Uh, but then what do we do about our children and grandchildren? And what do we do about uh, our country? And, uh, it, it's, it's astonishing that Chris Evans and those people are getting away with that, but they're getting away with it because, the Democrats ex- uh, want exactly that, and uh, you know, a, a, every time we take AOC is completely whacked out. She gets a lot of support. She just totally gets a lot of support, and uh, I I find her agenda completely ridiculous and scary. And I thought it was a joke, but she gets reelected in a landslide. And uh, I thought, you know, wait, there's there's no way even idiot New Yorkers. Are going to reelect that lady, but lo and behold, Sam, uh, they do. And and I say that every year. I said, 
who are the idiots in California that keep reelecting Feinstein and and Pelosi? You know, so maybe again, maybe again, it's all voter fraud, and and they don't have to worry about it. But uh, uh, do we really have that many stupid people in the country? I just, if we do, that just proves how blacked out and effective our brainwashing is in this country. Just keep giving me stuff, and we're going to be fine. And and people don't care other other than that they just simply want to be taken care of by government. And my question is to everybody, who in government do you trust? People who cannot even balance their own budget that have put us now over $32 trillion in debt and, and continue to tell us that that's no problem and that we can keep doing it and we got more coming. And, and people who can't even balance their budget, but... We, we totally trust them to take care of our health. And, and well, in the well-being. meantime, they're going to shut down our businesses, though. You're not going to be able to even work, Sheriff. And now they want to put okay. together a universal basic income for you to make sure that you can have enough money to survive while you don't work. Oh, good. Eh? Well, good. I don't have to worry about anything. Then. I guess it's a good thing I resigned from teaching because now I'm going to be taken care of by my Democrat friends. Your ability yeah. to travel is going to be severely hampered because they're going to say you got to take the vaccine to travel. So your ability to travel and speak is going to be shut down or curtailed tremendously. That's if that list doesn't get you. Well, I think uh, freedom of speech will be there as long as you're promoting liberalism, uh, socialism, communism, and Democrats. You're going to be fine. So maybe we'll just have to change the name of your show, uh, Sam. Liberal Roundtable instead of Liberty Roundtable? Yeah. Communist Radio Live? Yeah. CSL. The commie corner. The co- <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean to be so negative on this, but I look at the plight of the homeless, I look at the plight of the illegal aliens, and now I look at the plight of the American citizen, and I go, is our plight a whole lot better than theirs? In some ways, yes. In many ways, not so much. Yeah. Pretty astonishing. Our prayers are with you, brother. Travel safe. Hey, thanks so much, Sam. God bless you. There you go. Sheriff Richard Mack with us, ladies and gentlemen. These are serious, weighty matters. I'll tell you that right now. And you can say, Sam, what, what are you on this homeless bender for? Because I see a serious problem in America, and I see it getting worse at every turn. It used to be the homeless were tucked away, and you couldn't really you know, deal with them except for asking you for a little bit of money. Now you see literally their tent cities when you're driving down the freeway. What's next? How bad will it get? Well, the answer is when you see uh, society melting down and religion being... Well, people are turning their backs on religion nationwide. You got to think there's a parallel and ask people to come back to God, family, and country. I'm Sam Bushman. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that ever refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for November the 28th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our two of two. And our goal is to promote God, family, and country on your radio. 
Our goal is to protect life, liberty, and property in the traditions of our founding fathers. Our goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to reject revolution to stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And our goal, ladies and gentlemen, is to bring you news the networks refuse to use. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. And man, boy, how did we have a lot to talk about on your radio? I got a bunch of different articles that I've been struggling to get to because there's just so much to discuss. I haven't really had time to focus on it enough, but I want to get to it. We're going to do it now. And uh, as you know, I make my living in technology. I do radio. I produce radio talk shows. I do podcasts. I do uh, radio work, production work for people. I also run an IT company where we take care of businesses and provide uh, IT consulting, technology and HR and, and, and accounting consulting for companies. I give them best practice on security, all kinds of consulting. My company is small business tech guys by day. And, uh, you know, sbtechguys.com does a great job helping people understand technology and, and what goes into it and what the best things to do for your business are. And, you know, the whole idea behind my company is to say, hey, if you run a business, why don't you focus on what your business is about, what you do best, and we'll take care of the technology and the HR and provide guidance and support and services that really make that stuff sing for you behind the scenes. And that way, you know what, you, you don't have to be derailed from your core. You can focus on growing your business. In other words, instead of working in your business, you can work on your business, right? Instead of just being down in the trenches dealing with every little tidbit, you can, uh, you know, make a difference that way by working on your business and leave all the technical and all the other complicated details to somebody who's got experience and, and who understands and who's been involved in many, many, many startups of small business, etc. Anyway, I bring that to your attention not because I really want to promote my business so much, but to let you know what I do for a living. And right around the Thanksgiving time when everybody's talking about, you know, digital this, digital that, everybody's shopping online, everybody's, you know, locked down in their homes, so they're dealing with media. I mean, everything relates to computers and technology almost every day, all the time, it feels like. You know, what we do is we go to work and we work hard with technology screens in front of us, keyboards in front of us, mice in front of us, and we do this all day when we get done. Like, oh, that was so gnarly. I'm, I'm about dead working on, you know, technology. And then what we do is we go to our technology for entertainment, right? For a break. Oh, my gosh, I need some downtime. Let's do more technology. And although I'm as technical as the next guy, and I love technology for many, many, many things, I think oftentimes the low-tech answer is the real answer. One of the phrases that I've used over the years in my business, for example, to make the point is we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. And um, another phrase we use quite often is, um, you know, let technology serve you, not own you. All right, so we keep an eye on tech so you don't have to, and let technology serve you, not own you. And the idea behind that is to say, hey, you know what? Technology has its place. It can do tremendous things. It can prosper your business. It's necessary in the modern world to be technically savvy and have your technical act together. I get it. I support it. And I agree with it. But at the same time, I think low-tech answers are really the answer. When is tech owning you and controlling you and a problem? And when is it actually serving you? Anyway, there's a headline that I saw. By Brian X. Chen, 
that I find to be a very interesting article. And here's what it says. Here's the headline. Tech Fix. Digital diet. You know you need it. That's the headline to Brian's article. And it talks about excessive screen time can be harmful to our well-being. But we can free ourselves from tech hooks with what they call goals, rules, and boundaries. When is enough? Even though the presidential election is over, ladies and gentlemen, we're still, quote, doom scrolling is what he calls it. That's an interesting phrase. Through gloomy news about the coronavirus surge, And the rest of your daily routine, ladies and gentlemen, is probably something like mine, he says. While stuck at home during the pandemic, the time is divided between movies on Netflix, watching home improvement videos on YouTube, and playing video games. All of these activities involve staring at a screen. There has to be more to life than this, he continues. With the holiday season upon us, now's a good time to take a breather and consider a, quote, digital detox. Think about that. A digital detox. He goes on and says, no, that doesn't mean quitting the Internet cold turkey. No one would expect that from us right now. Think of it as going on a, quote, diet and replacing bad habits with healthier ones. We need to give our weary eyes some much-needed downtime from tech. And then he says there's lots of great things to do online, but moderation is often the best rule for life. And it's no different when it comes to screens said Gene Twench, Gene Twench, I guess is how you said, a psychology professor at San Diego State. And he's also the author of a book called iGen. And iGen is a book about younger generation and the people growing up in the smartphone era. Too much screen time takes a toll on our mental health, ladies and gentlemen, depriving us of much-needed sleep and depriving us from more productive tasks, experts say. He then continues and says, I, for one, am experiencing this very thing. Before the pandemic, my average daily screen time on my phone was three and a half hours. But over the last eight months, the author continues, that has nearly doubled. So I turned to psychology experts for their advice, from setting limits to finding alternatives to our phones. And here's what we can do, folks. Come up with a plan. Not all screen time is bad, right? After all, many students are attending school via video conferencing apps, etc. So the reality is what we've got to do is assess which parts of screen time 
feel and or are toxic and make you unhappy. That could be reading the news. It could be Facebook. But the first step is to find out what on earth is toxic and not. Second step, creating a realistic plan to minimize consumption of the bad stuff. Right? First, discover what's toxic. Second, set a plan to minimize consumption of the bad stuff. Right? I think this is a really great article. You can set modest goals, such as a time limit of 20 minutes a day to reading the news or maybe reading the news on weekends. If that feels doable, shorten the time. Shorten the time limit. Make it a daily goal. It'll help you form new habits. Now, some say it's easier said than done. I agree with that. Adam Gasly, he's a neuroscientist. He's also the co-author of a book, The Distracted Mind. Ancient brains in a high-tech world is what it's called. And he recommends creating calendar events for just about everything, including browsing the web and taking breaks. This approach helps create structure. For example, you could block off time to read the news and a little bit more time to jump on an exercise bike. If you feel tempted to pick up your phone during your exercise break, folks, you can be aware that any screen time would be violating the time that you dedicated specifically for exercise. You can think of screen time as if it were a piece of candy that you should indulge in, well, occasionally, not all the time. Don't think of it as taking a break necessarily when you're on screen time because oftentimes screen time creates an opposite of relaxing. Not all breaks are created equal is the point they're making. Dr. Gasly explains, if you take a break and then you go into social media or a news program, it can be hard to get out of that rabbit hole. Amen to that. They say create, quote, no phone zones. We need to recharge our phones overnight, but that doesn't mean that our devices need to be next to us while we sleep. They say many studies have shown that people who keep phones in their bedrooms sleep more poorly. They're harmful to our slumber in many ways. We'll talk about it in seconds. As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. 
In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, we're talking about an incredible article called Tech Fix. Digital diet, you know you need one. You know you need it. The blue light from screens, they continue, can trick our brains into thinking that it's daytime. And some content we consume, especially news, can be psychologically stimulating and keep us awake. So it's best not to look at phones within an hour before going to bed. Now, by the way, phones, you got to think of that in terms of TV and everything else screen-wise also. What's more, they say, the phone's proximity when you're sleeping could be near you and tempt you to check it in the middle of the night when you wake up. His number one piece of advice is no phones in the bedroom, even to charge near you. Have a charging station outside the bedroom. We can create another no-phone no zones outside the bedroom as well. The dinner table, for example, is a prime opportunity for families to agree to put phones away for at least 30 minutes and reconnect with one another. Spend time together. You need to resist the hooks, the tech hooks. Believe it or not, these companies have created systems designed to keep us glued to our screens. Facebook and Twitter, for example, made their timelines so that you could scroll endlessly through updates, maximizing the amount of time you actually spend on their sites. Adam Alter. This guy's a marketing professor at New York University's Stern School of Business. And he teaches this idea. He's also the author of a book called Irresistible. The rise of addictive technology and keeping us hooked. He said that tech companies actually employ techniques in quote behavioral, I'm sorry, behavioral psychology that make us addicted to their products. He highlighted two major hooks that they use. Artificial goals, similar to video games. These sites create goals to keep users intentionally engaged 
Those include the number of likes and or followers we gain on Facebook and Twitter. The problem is the goals are never realized, right? They're never actually fulfilled. So that's one point. Artificial goals. All right. There's goals to keep you engaged, and those goals are never fulfilled. There's always more to scroll. There's always more likes. There's always more followers. There's always more people to follow. There's always, right? The second one is called friction-free media. YouTube automatically, for example, plays the next up YouTube video. Not to mention the never-ending Facebook and Twitter scrolling. Now think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Before in life, there was a natural end to every experience. Like reading the last page of a book, for instance. One of the biggest things these tech companies have done is intentionally removing what are called stopping cues. Right? Think about it. They've removed what are called normal, natural stopping cues. All right? That natural end has been circumvented. There's no end. What do you do, we ask? For starters, we can resist the hooks by making our phones much less intrusive into our lives. You say, how do you do that, huh? You turn off notifications for all apps, except those are essential for work, and keeping in touch with other people, right? So you can reduce the amount of notifications. Think how often your phone's just sitting there, and then it has a notification, and it reaches out and says, pick me up and use me, right? If you feel strongly addicted, take extreme measures and turn your phone to grayscale mode. There's also a simpler exercise than even that. When we're outside of work, a lot of what we do online doesn't matter. And it's time that can be better spent elsewhere. The difference between getting 10 likes and 20 likes it's all just meaningless. Anyway, I wanted to talk about this article in detail. That, that's the article. Um, they leave out, in my opinion, several things that I believe are critical. So their point about we need a digital diet, no doubt, good point. Their point about the um, intentional creation of addictive behaviors by these companies using, uh, you know, psychology. The intentional effort to create goals that addict you and that tempt you into time wasting. No doubt that's all there. They use this psychology uh, to do this. They know full well what it takes. And they literally manipulate their apps to make it endless. This idea that they have circumvented the natural ending of norm most normal experiences and created a no end to this. They've done all that. It's a psychological uh, intentional effort. I'm not here to debate if it's evil or if it's just, you know, hey, everybody wants you. If I build an app, I want you to spend as much time on it as possible, right? But at some point, it points to evil because it destroys your time. It makes you discouraged. It gets you to focus on the world and compare yourself to the world all the time. There's so many negatives, it's not even funny. 
But what I want to focus on, a little bit different from their article, is this. There are a lot of wonderful, positive, good things you can do with media. A ton of them, folks. And I don't have all the answers, but I have some of the answers. And so you can intentionally use media several different ways. And when I say media, I mean the whole blogosphere, the whole Internet, whether it's to look up something, whether it's to communicate with somebody, no matter what the purpose is. I think we need to intentionally do a couple of things. One, make yourself aware of this. When are you picking up your phone, your digital device, to do something intentionally and then literally put the phone down? When are you doing that, which is appropriate and good and necessary? Hey, I got to look up a phone number right now so I can call Steve. Hey, I need to see what the weather's like because we're going out today and I want to make sure that I dress appropriately, you know, warm enough, etc. Uh, you know what? I need to uh, text my daughter and tell her that I'm going to be there in 20 minutes. Okay, those are all legitimate things that are good and that are fine. When am I picking up my phone, taking an action that's needful, and then putting my phone down again, right? When am I doing those kinds of things, which are legitimate, versus when am I picking up my phone um, for no, quote, legitimate reason? Oh, I need to check my Facebook. I need to check the news. I need to see who's messaged me lately. Now, don't get me wrong. Those can have some benefit. But those are also the time wasters because what you do is you say, I'm bored. Phone. I have nothing to do right now. Phone. And you start to get this mentality that your phone is your gap filler. Your phone is your time waster is another way to say it. Your device becomes uh, not a solution in and of itself, but a itself instead of a solution, right? So I say, well, I'm at the car dealership, and I'm waiting for them to you know, replace my tires or wherever I am. I'm just going to pick up my phone, and before you know it, you spent two hours, and it never ends. So one of the great ways that you can turn off disconnect from digital media is a text fix which is a digital diet you know you need it that's one way is to say when am i intentionally doing something that needs to be done versus when am i just using it as a quote crutch as a time filler or as a time waster or when am i just endlessly on there without a real purpose Oh, I know I need to get more likes, and I know the goal is I got to see the feed. I got to, man, it's been three days since I've been on Twitter. The the scrolling and the messages and the, the news that I can gain is endless. I get all that, but that doesn't, that's not a real purpose. Okay, ask yourself, what is the purpose for me being on my digital device right now? And if you can't clearly point to a legitimate, appropriate purpose that makes sense, you need to get off. You need to set it down. You need to separate. You need to create a natural end to things. Okay, these are all points highlighted in the article. And I think that's wonderful. They did a phenomenal job at really bringing this to our attention and providing solutions to reduce screens time, right? I think that's wonderful. They talked way more about phones and not enough about other screens, in my opinion. Uh, but the point is well taken. When we come back, I want to talk about 
other things that you can do. It's different than creating a void, by the way. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. President Trump's legal team lost another round in court. Tim Berg at the USA Radio Phoenix Bureau reports that the three-judge panel, which includes the Trump appointee, said there was no evidence to back up the campaign's claim of voter fraud. President Trump's campaign on Friday lost its appeal in a legal battle to contest Pennsylvania's already certified election results. A federal appeals court in Philadelphia upheld a previous ruling that dismissed the campaign's case to prevent Pennsylvania from certifying its election results, showing former Vice President Joe Biden as winning the state. President Trump took to Twitter and said they would appeal the ruling. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg. Wall Street had a positive yet abbreviated day on Friday. The Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P 500 all closed higher. This is USA Radio News. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature, I felt better, more energetic. And believe me, for me, that's something because I have energy anyway. But as old as I am, that was really something to start really noticing. You know, we're all responsible for choosing what our attitudes are, but I had a better mental outlook. I mean, I always try to be positive, but there were subtle things in me that I began to notice. I just felt a difference with this. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA. A CDC panel will meet Tuesday to decide how a COVID-19 vaccine will be given out once one is approved. The Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices will recommend who to vaccinate and when. The FDA's scientific advisors will meet the following week to review Pfizer's request to allow emergency use of its COVID-19 vaccine candidate. Manufacturers are stockpiling doses in anticipation of approval. Milwaukee County, Wisconsin completed its recount of the presidential election yesterday. After the recount of more than 450,000 ballots, President-elect Joe Biden increased his lead by 132 votes. George Christensen is Milwaukee County clerk. I promised that this would be a transparent and fair process, and it was. There was an examination of every ballot by election workers, a meticulous recounting of every ballot that was properly cast, a transparent process that allowed the public to observe. One suit has already been filed seeking to block certification of the results. You're listening to USA Radio News. All right, Sam Bushman Live, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about you need to go on a digital diet, ladies and gentlemen. You know you need a digital diet, folks. And so we talked a lot about how to reduce your phone time. But the problem with that whole plan, in my opinion, great article, well-written, very valuable. 
but in my opinion, doesn't cover the essentials, and I'll tell you why. You cannot take a significant crutch, a go-to, if you will, out of your life and not replace it with something. Okay? So just cutting back on your phone or whatever else isn't going to work. So if you go on a digital diet, what you're going to do is you're going to wind up with a bunch of time on your hands. And I recommend two things with that extra time. Number one, hey, all screen time is not the same. All knowledge is not the same either, by the way. Knowing that God lives and he loves me is way more important than knowing uh, how to get my next likes on Twitter. Or my next followers on Twitter, whatever you want to say, right? And consequently, we need to kind of prioritize and say, look, I don't mind some of the screen time that I spend. If I'm spending screen time that's valuable, that's good. And so what you need to do is make yourself a list of good screen time activities and a list of bad screen time activities. And then you need to say to your phone, about your phone, you know what? What is my phone for, for me? And what is it not for me? It is not an endless music slash video slash news feed, junk feed, 24-7 device for me to go to whenever I'm bored. It is not a, and I can go on and on, right? But I can also, on the other side of the coin, say it is a way for me to keep up with my grandchildren in the pandemic. I'm going to spend some time every day FaceTiming my grandchildren. It is a way to have family meetings. So our family, for example, extended family, there's a lot of people, haven't been able to really meet because of the COVID as much as we would like. But they had a digital uh, Zoom conference the other day where everybody just kind of took turns. They went around a circle. All these adult siblings went around a circle. And they told what was happening with their own families and their own lives. And so, you know, my wife would go and she would explain, hey, here's what we're doing as a family. Here's what's going on. Here's what these people are doing and that people. And here's what. And then the next person would go. And it was a great time. It was a really a great way to catch up. With family and loved ones. Now, that to me is not negative screen time. That to me is not a waste. There's a definite purpose, and that is to remain involved in one another's lives. Would it be better if we could meet in person? Absolutely. If we can meet in person someday, would I recommend meeting in person instead? Absolutely. But in the meantime, it's the next best thing, and technology allows that to occur. Now compare that to just playing Fortnite all night and then being so tired you can't get up for work hardly or school or whatever the case may be. See the comparison I'm getting at? So write yourself a what is my device for list. Is it for this and that? Yeah, it's for watching videos on occasion. It's for a quick update on the news for sure. It's to check the weather. It's to gain knowledge on subjects. It's, it's all these wonderful things. It's a great communication with family tool. Um, my device could be used to create a diary or a journal of sorts to write down the things, the events that are happening in our lives. That's a wonderful thing. So spend time documenting what it is not and the tasks that to you are negative and the tasks that for you are positive. And the point that I'm getting at is don't leave vacancies in your time where you're just like, oh, man, I, I can't use my phone now. And you feel um, some people say I feel naked without my phone. Well, you get what I mean. Don't feel like you're absent something that you're missing. 
In other words, the equivalent on a diet of starvation. Don't do that. Go back and say, what good can I do? What are the good tasks with my phone? And I mentioned writing a journal is one of them. Writing a letter to people is one of them. Documenting family um, events and life is one of them. Uh, Reaching out and communicating with others in meaningful ways is one of them. If you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or other churches, religious organizations have real great use for technology. You can study the scriptures. You can read your Bible. You can also, um, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they do a significant family history. They do a project called indexing, which allows you to take um, historical records that are oftentimes graphical because they've been scanned into a, a computer, digitized, And they take those and then you read the graphics and then you write down what it actually says so that we turn the graphics into text and now they become infinitely more searchable and usable and more accurate. So your goal is to create searchable data that's that's more accurate. That's the goal. That's the intent. And there's people that are spending hours and hours and hours on that building family history, building indexes so you can find more about your ancestors, more about your loved ones, more about your forebears or forefathers, and you can learn about them and learn about their lives and who they were and what they did and their hard times and their great times and their successes and failures. And it's a wonderful thing to do. There's so much good. And so I really would recommend making time for good things. Don't just put on there, hey, I got to get off the phone, off the phone, off the phone. Rather, say, what do I want my device to be used for and how do I make sure that I'm using it that way? So my first suggestion is do not leave massive vacancies in your life due to going on a, quote, digital diet. Make sure that you put things in place that, that fill your time with much more meaningful tasks. Build a list of good things to where if you are bored or you do have time on your hands. Do I want to pick up the phone and just endlessly scroll in the news? When I get done, feel worse than when I started? Or do I want to learn something? You know, one of the great values of of digital devices is the ability to learn so many things. Maybe you take a class. Maybe you research subjects. I don't know. Everyone can find out what is best for them to do. Uh, but so that's my first suggestion is make sure that you fill it with good things. And you got to make a list of the good things. Hey, I don't have anything to do right now. I'm going to use a digital device. What are the good things I can do with that device? You know, you can go watch TED Talks. At least those have an educational focus as opposed to mindless TV shows or reruns of TV or whatever, Right. Find ways to look for good things to do with your time. All right? The second thing that I would recommend in addition to that, looking for the good things, is this idea that I mentioned, which was make sure that when you pick up your digital device that you're doing so with a purpose. So one, make sure that you have a purpose in mind, and the purpose has to have a start, a get it done, and an end. Those are the two things. Pick up my phone and have a start, 
Get it done in an end to the purpose and set the device down. Secondly, then, to find good things. Make a list of good things to do. When I'm going to use my phone, I'm going to spend time picking it up, getting whatever done, and having an end to a good thing. To something positive, something necessary. That's what I'm going to do with my digital device. And I'm going to decide to start to do it today. Now, one of the things mentioned in the article that I find interesting as well, they say, hey, put your phone in grayscale because then it's just not so compelling or so interesting. It's kind of boring and drab. One of the other ways you can do that is not buy such a powerful digital device. Say, what, Sam? I got to have the latest, greatest. No, you don't. You know what? You say, well, the the photos are way better. I got to have the best photo. You know what? The photos on the average phone today are a gazillion times better than what, 6,000 years of the world's history has ever had? Okay, it's all relative. And so don't buy such an expensive phone. Say to yourself, the phone is to serve me, not own me. And like I say, let technology serve you, not own you, right? Let technology serve you not own you. That's an important concept to understand. It's an important concept. And I think it's at the key of this digital addiction world we seem to find ourselves in and unable to avoid. Do not let technology own you. Demand that technology is serving you, not owning you. And as we have more and more and more digital devices around, make sure that you're using them in meaningful ways. What do I mean by meaningful? In ways that encourage you to get out and do something. All right, when we come back, I want to talk about some of the other pitfalls we find ourselves in also. Reality versus virtual reality, if you will. Liberty Roundtable Live. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? 
We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Make sure Big Tech serves you, not owns you. All right? Let me give you an example to make the point. You answer in your own mind how valuable this device is. Is it necessary? Is it a good idea? You answer the question. The toilet seat that could save millions of lives. You heard me. The toilet seat that could save millions of lives. New gadget can detect early signs of heart failure by picking up blood level, blood pressure levels, oxygen levels, and heart rate. Yeah. Sit down on the toilet. It can go ahead and, you know, do a quick uh, analysis of your health there now. Is that good? What's going to happen to that data? They say the gadget, no problem, fits over the top of a normal toilet seat. And it measures your heartbeat. It can also sense blood pressure. And levels of oxygen in your blood. Developers say that it could save the lives of potential heart disease victims. They say the technology could spot signs of heart trouble before symptoms are even noticed. Sounds phenomenal, doesn't it, folks? In some ways, yes. In some ways, it becomes very scary. I submit to you that technology is really neither good nor bad. It's in the hands of those who use technology. Right? It's in the hands of those who use it on whether it's good or bad. So I look at the toilet seat that could save millions of lives is a good technology. But it all depends on how we use it. If the government decides they're going to mandate one of these toilets for everyone, then it's probably a pretty bad thing. If the data goes to government to monitor, then it's a serious problem. But if you use it responsibly, internally, I submit to you that it could be wonderful. Maybe I wouldn't put it on my toilet seat. Maybe I'd find another gadget. Right? But how do we deal with this? 
And the answer, in my opinion, is to use technology less. And you say, wow, this coming from a nationally syndicated digital talk show host? That's right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Use technology less. In fact, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey platform was probably way too aggressive in banning conservatives. But see, right now they still ban the president of the United States. See, technology can be used for good or bad. And oftentimes people are tempted to use it, and they use it in very, very negative ways. You may not be able to control what the digital companies do, the big companies, the big tech companies, whatever, right? But you can decide how much tech is in your life. You can decide how much you're involved. Right? I can't solve everything. But I can decide how much the technology is involved in my life. Right? And I do that by simplifying my involvement in technology. Let me give you an example. Headline says Fox News offers its fans even more for just $65 a year. Tempting. I've been wanting to get that for a long time. Man, just think what I can watch for 65 bucks a month. See, you get tempted into that. But you got to ask yourself the is not, is, is, is not questions about your digital device. Is it just to get endless more on Fox News? They say it's the first test of its kind for Fox News. How much do people love it? Will people pay for it? Right? Fox News plans to market Fox Nation by offering branded products to early subscribers. They're going to give you more and more and more. And the trend seems to never end. Right? That's the problem with it. How much? When I was a kid, they used to have two or three channels on your TV. But now, what, you have, if you have the right services, two, three hundred channels? I don't even have most of that TV stuff. But I do have a, uh, a, a um, Roku player. And that alone has thousands of channels on it, right? When is it just too much? When do I back off and say I only want to know about and focus on what I want and what I have? So what I do with my Roku player is I put the 10 or 20 top channels, things that I want to watch or that I want to be paying attention to, on my home screen, and the rest I just ignore. When do you say less is more? Now, this radio program has done that for years, and we have less commercials than anybody in the business as a result. Less is more oftentimes. But if you think about technology and you make sure technology serves you, not owns you, you start asking that, what is my digital device and what is it not? When you start to think about less is more as a concept, you begin to understand the digital diet that we're talking about. All right, Fox News offers its fans even more for 65 bucks a year. When will that end? When will the even more plan be over? When can they offer me less? Maybe less for less money even. 
Oh, well, Sam, that would be contrary to business principles. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. All right. Now let's look at this headline to make the point. Headline says this. Seven reasons to avoid the secret sister gift scam. Dwight Adams wrote the article for the Indianapolis Star. USA Today picked it up. That's where I found it. But you've got to ask yourself that kind of a question, too. Right? What on earth is this program they're talking about? Remember the old days, folks, when they had chain letters? Well, the Secret Sister scam is really a digital playbook or a digital uh, carry out of that theme. And you got to avoid these like the plague because they're a scam. They're a Ponzi scheme, folks. So you've got to run from that stuff. You got to say, look, I'm not going to get scammed. And I know what's interesting is sometimes people would bring up this idea and say, well, Sam, you know, they can do what they want. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Okay, we've got to take control of our lives and say, look, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. I'm not going to let this, you know, Ponzi scheme, this letter scheme affect me. So look out for those situations, folks. You don't need to get scammed. Now, headline says this, Facebook overstated video views. Think about it. They say Facebook apologized for an error for the way it measured video viewership. They called it a miscalculation. They say, although this is only one of the many metrics marketers look at, we take serious responsibility for this and we apologize. But ladies and gentlemen, think about that for a minute. Facebook overstated video views. And they had to apologize, folks. Think about that. Facebook apologized for it. It greatly overstated on average how much time people spent watching videos. Wow. Now, here's the problem. They allowed this to go on for more than two years, they admit. Ah. They've been excluding videos that were watched for fewer than a certain amount of time, so it made their averages artificially go up. They basically make you believe that they're so sorry, golly, they didn't really catch this, but I submit to you this was done on purpose. This goes along with the psychology idea that says we got to have people watch more. So they inflate the numbers. But look out for scams on the internet, folks. And the less you less you do on these digital systems that are just scroll related or time waster related, the less likely you'll get caught up in one of these scams. Okay? You've gotta 
you've got to focus on this. Now, here's the interesting thing. Headline from the mainstream press says, Facebook overstated video views. My response is, Facebook overstated video views. They got caught, exclamation point. That's really what should be highlighted out of this piece, out of this story, out of this reality. Right? Serious business. They say FM radio faces government switch off as digital in the UK has more now. Everybody's watch everybody's dealing with digital so they can turn off their analog stuff they claim. Is that good? Well, it all depends on who does it, right? Now they say study links teenage ADHD to digital media use. Think about that headline. Is that what's going on? Is that why so many people have ADHD? If it happens to teenagers, does it happen to adults? USA Today, by the way. Interesting, interesting article to say the least, folks. Right? There you have it. I wanted to spend an hour on digital. And I want to give you tools and tips and tricks to reduce your involvement with media. Lay down your technology. Lay down how much time you spend with it. Please. It will bless your life and your family if you do. All right. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. Hopefully it was educational and entertaining. I'm Sam Bushman. LibertyRoundtable.com. LovingLiberty.net. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Live and on-demand radio free. God save the Republic of the United States of America.